0: Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. It's broken down like this an introduction in verses 1 and 2, and then the parable from verses 2 to 8. And then Jesus and the disciples are off by themselves. They ask him about it in verses 9 through about 12. And then in verse 13, to the end of the story, in verse 20, Jesus explains the parable that he taught. So we have Jesus explaining what he taught. We have an advantage here. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Grass with us in the flowers. fade, but the word of our God. Stands Stands forever. Let's go there to verse verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing, yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, they may indeed hear and not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." AND HE SAID TO THEM, DO YOU NOT UNDERSTAND THIS PARABLE? HOW THEN WILL YOU UNDERSTAND ALL THE PARABLES? THE SOWER SOWS THE WORD, AND THESE ARE THE ONES ALONG THE PATH WHERE THE WORD IS SOWN. WHEN THEY HEAR, SATAN IMMEDIATELY COMES, TAKES AWAY THE WORD THAT IS SOWN IN THEM. THESE ARE THE ONES SOWN ON THE ROCKY GROUND, AND ONES WHO, WHEN THEY HEAR THE WORD, IMMEDIATELY RECEIVE IT WITH JOY, AND THEY HAVE NO ROOT IN THEMSELVES, BUT ENDURE FOR A WHILE. THEN WHEN TRIBULATION OR PERSECUTION ARISES ON ACCOUNT OF THE WORD, IMMEDIATELY THEY FALL AWAY. OTHERS ARE THE ONES SOWN AMONG THORNS. THEY ARE THOSE WHO HEAR THE WORD, BUT THE CARES OF THE WORLD AND THE DECEITFULNESS OF RICHES AND THE DESIRE FOR OTHER THINGS ENTER IN AND CHOKE THE WORD And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Join me as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit would do what you've yet to do. That you would break up the hard ground of the hearts without Christ. God, I pray that you would do what Jesus said in this tat and in this text to give us ears to hear. But I pray that you would go beyond anything that I might say so that what I say would be exactly what your word says, minister to the heart, to the hearts of hurting people today, and bring about a new life in Christ. We ask you to save someone today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How do you know? How do you know if you? are actually right with God. Is that even a thing? As subjective as it sounds, how do you know if you're right with God? How do you feel? What does it feel like? What what does it look like if you're right with God? How, How does your life actually reflect the truth that you believe you are actually right with God? How does something that is so private translate into a lifestyle that is public? As the safe middle ground, as the safe middle ground of our decaying society continues to erode, where will you find yourself? Where will you be standing? On the inside, or on the outside. We just came off Mark chapter 3, and in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is on the inside with those he is calling his family who have no natural relationship to him. Those on the outside are his natural family, and he says, That is not my family. So, the ones on the inside. There's a theme that runs all the way through the Bible those on the inside are saved, those on the outside are not. You find it as early in Genesis chapter 6 when the cataclysmic flood floods the entire earth. It is God's judgment on sin. Those on the outside of the ark perish. Those on the inside are saved. The Lord Jesus himself brings that theme forward in chapter 4 when we come to this parable. This is the very first real parable that the Lord uses. And according to what he says, you can see it in verse 13 if you want to, skip ahead. Verse 13, Jesus says, this is a gateway parable. If you don't get this one, you won't understand the rest. If that's the case, then let's back up and find out what is a parable. A parable is a method of teaching. If you'd like to write things down, this would be my definition. A parable is a method of teaching that Jesus used. That method has typically typically one point and it uses the natural world to explain the supernatural world. Even the word parable means to lay beside, parabole, lay something beside something else. To take something natural, lay it beside something supernatural and say the supernatural is like this. In this parable, Jesus is pointing to something very specific at the very end of the parable. This parable has very little to do with the sower, very little to do with the seed, and everything to do with the soils. And the whole point of the whole parable is driving quickly to the very end. And that point is that there is only one soil that actually produces Fruit. And although we read, we see four different categories. We see the hard path. We see the rocky soil. We see the thorny soil. We see the good soil. Although there, it feels like there are four categories, they really are only two. One category has the good soil that produces great fruit. The other category has varying degrees of failure. Today I want to take you through the story, and we'll do it quickly. And as we do, I want you to see yourself. You decide for yourself which one of these soils best describes you. Because what Jesus is teaching here is that a heart, a heart of true faith produces lasting fruit. If the the faith is true, the fruit will last. If salvation happens, there will be evidence. Let's uh, let's start slowly and pick up the context. Here's the first point, number one. A fruitful heart is possible. You should know that a fruitful heart is possible. You see the introduction in verse 1. Notice how Mark opens up the story. He tells us Jesus, once again, is at the Sea of Galilee. Lots of people are there. Verse 1 says, everybody has shown up. They want to see a miracle. They want to see a healing. Later on, Jesus is even going to break out food and feed people. They are there. In fact, there's so many of them, they've crowded up around him, backed him up against the water, and he notices the natural acoustics of the Sea of Galilee and the banks and so he gets a boat and a boat becomes his pulpit. You wonder why I got a big pulpit? Jesus had a boat for a pulpit. Verse 1, I got proof right there. And he begins to teach, tells us. So verses 2 through 8, you have the parable Jesus teaches and then at the end of the parable, verse 9, notice what Jesus says. Verse 9, he quotes Jeremiah and Ezekiel. In verse 9, this is what he says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know what you have here? You have a, a, a call for spiritual discernment. In fact, this is a good time for you just to pray, God, give me ears to hear. God, give me a heart to understand the gospel. When I, when I prepared for this message and I prayed, understand it and I pray for you and and, and faces I can remember and some of them I know have yet to hear and understand maybe today we just begin you just pray God give me ears to hear and receive you see Jesus and his teaching always take us at some time to the atonement to the gospel what is the gospel the gospel that saves you the gospel tells me that God created you in his image BUT THE IMAGE OF GOD IN YOU IS DISFIGURED BECAUSE OF SIN. THAT SIN IS A CRIME AGAINST GOD. GOD IS JUST AND WILL PUNISH CRIME. THAT'S WHY HE sends PEOPLE TO HELL, BECAUSE THEY HAVE OFFENDED HIM TO to NO END. IT'S GOOD FOR US TO REMEMBER, WE ARE NOT JUST AS SINNERS FAR AWAY FROM GOD. WE ARE DEAD IN SIN AND UNDER THE WRATH OF GOD. The, THE BAD NEWS IS REALLY, REALLY, which, of course, makes the good news really, really good. The good news is that God is not just a judge. He is wrathful, but that's not all He is. He's also loving and kind and good, and and He gives us Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. It's important you get Jesus lives perfectly, because you and I don't. Jesus lives in perfect fellowship with His Heavenly Father in a way that Adam should have, we should have, and we just don't. We can't. We're sinners. He did that for us, and it goes to the cross. The cross is the place of punishment. All of the wrath of God, all of the judgment of God is poured out on Jesus at the cross. So that here's the, praying God will give you ears to hear. Here's the promise. If you will turn, look to Jesus. The promise is that He'll save you. The gospel says you can be taken out of the sin and, and brought into the family of God through faith in Jesus. And something happens to your heart. That fruitfulness that Jesus speaks of will begin in you if you will trust Jesus to save you. That's what it says in verse 9, have ears to hear. And then in verse verse 10, the 12 disciples, the 12, they get around him and they say, look, off to the side, look, we want to know what this means. They asked him about the parables in, in verse 10. And verse 11, notice what Jesus says to them. It's filled with grace. Jesus says to them in verse 11, you're on the inside. Look what he says, verse 11. He said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but those outside, what they have is just the parables. You understand that to you, you've been given what's hidden, the the mystery of God that was hidden for years and years and years in the Old Testament, and that mystery is Christ. And Jesus says in verse 12, it's said in a parable for for two reasons. It's a double-edged sword. It's said in a parable so that those on the inside will get it and be ministered to. Those on the outside will stand under judgment. You you see, verse 12, what he says here as he quotes Isaiah chapter 6, he says that uh, those on the inside will hear it. Those on the outside will be in judgment. I mean, even the way he says it in verse 12, they may, that they may indeed see but not perceive, that they may hear but not understand, lest they should hear or turn and be forgiven. This is the same thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. What did Paul say? That the word the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Does it make sense to those who are hard? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What is it then? What is it then to you? You see, to have a fruitful heart is possible, and it starts with you trusting in the power of Jesus at the cross. It starts with you just saying, Jesus has taken my place. A fruitful heart is possible. Let's then now get to the parable. I'd like to read the section, and um, here's what I want to do. I'm going to read the parable, each section of the parable, and then go over, and let's read how Jesus explained the parable. Here's the first one, number one, or I should say point number two. A hard heart is dis heartening. If you know someone like this, a hard heart, you don't have to be mean to have a hard heart. A hard heart disheartening. Let me read verses 3 and 4. Listen to how Jesus describes it and then explains in verses 14 and 15. Listen, he says, a ku'o. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came And devoured it. Now, how does he explain it? Verse 14, go over there. The sower sows the word, the gospel. This is Jesus saying, What is the seed? It's the gospel. The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This path, this is the hard path. People have walked on this path. That dirt has been beaten down to concrete. And the, the seed that is cast by the sower, he's not being careless, but some of that seed goes up on the path. And that seed just sits there long enough that the birds swoop down, or Jesus says, the Satan just comes and gets it because that, that seed is not doing anything. Here's the person that outright rejects the gospel. Here's the person that has heard the message, but the message bounces off their hearts. Their unbelief is so settled that they are completely unaffected. They would have sat through this this service today and seen people baptized, a father and son baptized, young interns commissioned, felt the emotion of the, the songs that we've sung, unaffected. It's so hard that the gospel seed just sits there. You ever spread grass seed in your yard and some of it just gets up on the concrete? It just sits there. That's what what Jesus says. And finally the birds will come and get it. Satan just sees that, that seed, just pulls it away, just in case. Nothing wrong with the sower, nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the message. It's just the heart. It's just dead. The soil is just hard. It's really disheartening. A lot of us know people like this, and we wonder, what do we do? Well, there are a couple of things you can do. I'll give you two. Uh, we, we pray for softening. So that's one. Pray for softening, and then prepare to share. We pray for softening, but you need to be prepared when that softening comes, you see. Because God and His providence oftentimes on that hard ground will... He will decide, I'm going to save that person. And the way he does it is till up that ground. God and his providence can till up hard hearts. If you ever run a tiller on clay, like running a jackhammer until those tines finally bite into the clay and it starts to dig and eventually that hardness is softened and the seed can be dropped, germinate, grow and bear fruit. But something has to happen sometimes. It's so traumatic. Sometimes it's a tragedy. Sometimes it's a car wreck so bad that you look at the pictures and wonder, how did he walk away from that? It jolts them out. Sometimes it's a near-death experience. Sometimes it's something beautiful like like the birth of a child or grandchild. Sometimes it's just the constant neighborly affection and that hard heart starts to be tilled. How do we live? We live in prayer, pray for softening, and we are prepared to share. A hard heart. It is disheartening. I'm going to give you a, a third thing to consider about this parable. Here's where a lot of us live. Number three, that's a shallow. Number three, a shallow heart is really common. A Shallow heart, really common. Let me show you what I mean. Verses 5 and 6. You see the parable, verse 16 and 17, he explains it. Join me there, verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Go down with me to verse 15, verse 16. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the one we see far too often. This is the category that is so broad in churches. This is the category that results in inflated roles and lost church members. This is the person that that would go to church for a little while and finally just sort of fell out of the habit of going to church as if being a Christian was a habit, like biting your nails. This is the broad spectrum of This is the broad spectrum of people that at some point along the way displayed some sort of interest in God. Maybe even had some kind of reaction. Maybe even a dramatic reaction. And yet, didn't actually count on the cost. Didn't expect it to be so hard. This is part of what we're seeing in the decline in attendance at church and gospel-centered churches. This is part of what we're seeing. Jesus explains the category himself in verse 17. And look what he says in verse 17. He said, the problem is that there is no root. See what he says in verse 17? Immediately they have received it with joy and they have no root in themselves. They endure for a little while and everything's fine, but the tribulation and the persecution. Now, this is not just a general hard time. Tribulation and persecution because of the word. When it starts to get costly to be a Christian, he says what they do, verse 17, is apostatize or fall away. Verse 16, here's the reason. Verse 16, they they hear the word and it's really confusing for us. They hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. It seems like they actually had a conversion, like something really happened. And it turns out it was just emotionalism. Or they grew up in the church, around the church culture. Mom and dad were in the church. They understand church language. You get so accustomed to it that you get almost inoculated by the gospel. And therefore, if you're inoculated, you don't get the disease of the gospel. Because the community is attractive and people will accept you and they want you and they want to be friends. And you get in there and it feels good to try to be a good person, do the right thing. You want to help people. Maybe you're really even conservative politically. But it never occurred to you the the, the idea of a radical commitment to Christ and his kingdom remains foreign. This is where biblical Christianity is running toward a head-on collision with American cultural Christianity. This is where people are going to have to decide. J- Jesus says that when, when a Christian, when it starts costing to be a Christian, those people that are falsely converted, that means those that are not converted, they'll start falling away. though fall back into the woodwork. Look, it's happening now. It's happening right now, 2023. Believing the Word of God on the issues of the day puts you in dangerous territory. Look, I don't mean even being a wild-eyed, sort of conservative. I mean, if you just actually believe at face value, what does the Bible say about the, word, about the issues of the day it gets costly. Some of you, it's already gotten you financially. Some of you already had trouble at work. It's going to cost you socially. If, if, you stick, if you believe and you try to live it out, it costs... I Man, we've got kids graduating coming up and you're trying to send them off to college and you think you send them off to, to colleges where you know the worldview is so against what you've raised them to believe. It's scary if you're a public school teacher. It's just so hard. Depending on who the administrators are at your school, it could turn into something you're being asked to do that you don't believe in. Jesus says it was, it, this category is this broad category of people that it, we thought they were Christians, but when it got hard to be a Christian, they, they fell away. This is what John talked about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. He said they, they went out... From us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out. that it might become plain that they are not of us. How do we then? How do we fight against this? How do you you stem the tide? There are some things we can do practically. Uh, One of those things is we we press toward true conversions. Press toward. We had 15 baptisms today, 14 here, one at uh, Mallard Creek. Every one of those candidates for baptism have talked to a pastor and have a clear understanding of what the gospel is and been able to, to digest that. We don't do any kind of spontaneous baptism. We don't just say, hey, y'all want to get baptized? Come on now. We'll baptize you. We won't. It's not because we're mean or we don't want to see people come to Christ. It's because we do want to see people come to Christ not be falsely converted. we talk about being saved, we want people to have a clear understanding of the atonement. What does it mean? What does the gospel mean that Jesus died in my place? Why was that necessary? Why did I need that? When I am saved, what am I saved from? What am I saved to? We want a clear understanding of the atonement. When we talk about people joining Hickory Grove, we want to press for genuine discipleship, to find a community group or to find a small group where you are being pressed to read the Bible and pray and people can pray for you and you are growing in Christ. Our ministry is here. Whether it's our student ministry at Jacob up there baptizing or, or Kyle runs our family ministry or Katie pressing, what we're doing is taking the Word of God and pressing it into the children of Hickory Grove not by way of entertainment, so that we can get as much Bible inside as we possibly can. Why do we do that? So that that ground has nutrients, and when the gospel seed hits, it begins to germinate and grow and produce fruit. This is a bad soil here. We don't want to be the bad soil. One soil is hard; the seed just sits there. Another soil. It looks like it's saved, like it's going to work, but it burns off. It gets costly. There's a, there's a third bad soil. It's my fourth point, number four. Let me give it to you. And that is a smothered, a smothered heart is confusing. So confusing. The parables in verse 7 and the explanation in verse 18, 19. Let me give you the parable first. <clears throat> the other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Join me over there in verse 18. Look at the explanation. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. See, the soil isn't hard. It's not hard packed like the other. It's not, it's not a thin layer with rocks underneath like the rocky soil. Soil looks fine. I mean, the other plant's growing in it. There's weeds and thorns growing in it. What's wrong here? You know, agriculture, the weeds grow, they grow fast. That's why we say a little kid growing like a weed. Weeds grow fast. The weeds are sucking all the nutrients out of the soil. They grow fast and they cover and block the sun. They've taken the vitamins, they've blocked the sun. Look what Jesus says in verse 19. There are three things that kill the word. Verse 19, you see what he says? It's the cares of the world. The cares choke it out. The stressful concerns, the challenges of this age, the anxieties that life brings, the worried about your children or home or trying to pay the bills or going through a divorce or people that you can't get along with or a situation at work or the business that's demanding all of your time or you never can get enough rest or your your children, you want them to be healthy and happy and successful or the dramatic issues that you have to deal with or the loneliness or the aching of desire of community or the lack of direction. Whatever those things are, they choke out. More important than this dynamic, vibrant relationship with the living God. Jesus says, not just that, it could be the deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness, money's deceitful. He says this chokes it out. It could happen to those that don't have any money. It could happen to those that have a lot of money. If you don't have any money, you're working more hours, you're trying to save, you can't make ends meet, that becomes an idol that you end up worshiping at you don't even know it. Or or if you do have material goods and they start to stack up and have to be managed, you have more and more, and it's a distraction away, and pretty soon that's where your attention is instead of this primary driving factor of knowing Christ, then verse 19, it gives us a a catch-all phrase. Do you see the third phrase? The desire for other things. It's just broad that there's an idol. It, it, it really is idolatry. It happens when people feel like and end up saying, you know, church really just isn't doing it. Church isn't doing it for you anymore. If that's the case, then you, what you had, what you had was the shadow and not the substance. When, when all those other things take you away from God, you end up realizing that I never actually had God to begin with because if I have God and God has me, there's nothing that can take me away. And Jesus lays this out for us. And and if that's you this morning, if what happened to you hasn't lasted, then what happened to you really wasn't a saving belief in Jesus and it is so confusing. And at the end of it, verse 19, Jesus says, and there's no fruit. That's not you, is it? Do you know someone that used to be here, used to go to church here? I do. That just sort of faded away. And it's confusing. Might be a good person. Might even be a good person in in danger. This is a good parable. This parable made me think of several people. This parable made me think that maybe I should call it and just read the parable. Because one thing that everybody here has in common in the parables, whether it's the hard ground or the rocky ground or the thorny ground, everybody heard. Verse 15, the hard ground, they hear. Verse 16, the rocky ground, they heard. Verse 18, thorny ground, they heard. Something happens on the good ground, though. I'll make this my last point and we'll wind it up. Number five. A full heart is fruitful. Fruitful. That's where we're headed. Fruitful. The parables in verse 8. The explanation, verse 20. Let me read it. Both of them. Verse 8. And <clears throat> other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold And a hundredfold, look at the difference, verse 20, look at the explanation, down there in verse 20. Those that were sown on the good soil, they're the ones that hear the word, 15, 16, 18, they heard, and, verse 20, accept the word. They bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. The difference is, in verse 20, Jesus says, they didn't just hear it, they had ears to hear. They accepted it. That word accept means to receive. It means to to trust. It means to take hold of. It means to believe. To trust Jesus and Jesus alone. And the promise is, when that happens, that something supernatural, 30-fold and and 60-fold and more than you can count, Verse 20 tells us the whole point of the whole parable is there. Every other group heard the message with varying degrees of failure. Only one shows fruit, and that fruit remains. Today, the word of the gospel has been sown. Your life is some kind of soil, you've heard it. Now by God's grace, I'm asking you to receive it. A heart of true faith will produce lasting fruit. This morning as we close, I'm gonna ask you to bow with me in prayer. With your heads bowed this morning, Pray with me. Did God give you an ear to hear? Ask God to save you right now. You can do it quietly where you are. Ask God to save you. You Tell God that you're a sinner and you want to be saved by what Jesus Christ has done. Trust Trust that God will save you. God has given you a thought process, a mind and a heart receive the gospel today. By the merits of Jesus Christ, ask God to forgive you of your sin and save you. Trust in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Ask God today, right now, to save you. We're gonna sing another song of worship. It'll be the last one. and We'll commission our new members. But this morning, if God gave you ears to hear, if he did that, when we sing, we'll invite you to come forward. Our pastors are down here. Just come and take one by the hand and say, I need to, I need to confirm what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you're, you're here and already believer, and you It resonates, what you heard resonates. You have a person you wanna pray for. If you wanna come and pray at the altar, we would invite you to do that. It's the Lord's day, you're with God's people. It's a great time to do that. Lift up and ask God to break through the hard ground. This morning, God has spoken to your heart. i to invite you to come forward. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us, that your grace would be real and sustaining. We rejoice in all we've seen you do. We ask that you will do more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You stand please, we sing together.